I feel like today's gospel needs a similar prologue. For anything wonderful to come from today's gospel, we must understand that Elizabeth was barren. As barren as, well, a doornail. (laughs) Earlier in this chapter, before where today's reading began, Elizabeth described her barrenness as a disgrace I have endured among my people. And we can use our empathetic imagination to relate to Elizabeth's story and imagine the loss and meaning of raising children that she has been deprived from, how her role in the community would be different, not among the mothers, but among the single wives and widows in the village. Also, her barrenness is a loss of possibility. Elizabeth is married to Zechariah, one of the high priests, and Elizabeth herself is of the line of Aaron, named after Aaron's wife. It's a loss of possibility of lineage and legacy. Her ancestral line ending with her barrenness is devastating and heartbreaking, to say the least. And it is a source of pain and disgrace. This is what we have to know before we come into today's gospel, that Elizabeth has experienced this disgrace within her very body in a very real and physical and heartbreaking way. And yet, in today's story, we hear the gospel message that that place inside of her that was the epicenter of her disgrace is turned into a place of rejoicing, where equally she feels the Holy Spirit enter her and her baby leaps in her womb in joy. God has entered the world, transforming disgrace into rejoicing. That is the story that we read in Elizabeth today. This transforming of disgrace into rejoicing is not just for Elizabeth, but for her whole community as we read later after today's passage ends that her neighbors and relatives heard what the Lord had done for her, had the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. This transformation of disgrace into rejoicing is offered to everyone who hears this news, including us today. When Mary comes to Elizabeth, she is also a subject of disgrace. We may remember from the Matthew Gospel that Matthew writes, Her husband Joseph, a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, made plans to dismiss her quietly. Mary's disgrace is from barrenness from another means. She is too young, too single, too poor, too from the wrong village. Her pregnancy is viewed as a disgrace for any number of those reasons. And yet again, that disgrace is transformed by the Holy Spirit, moving her to sing her proclamation of God's work in the world, which has reverberated through generations to us today. Now to God, Elizabeth's barrenness was never a disgrace. 
There is no disgrace in God. There is no absence of grace in God. There is no loss of God's grace in God. There is no place where God's grace comes up short, can't reach to, can't get to. There's nothing that we can do that can block or keep us from the grace of God. This is the good news. This is the Christmas miracle of the God incarnate who enters the world to show us, to remind us, to prove to us again and again that God's grace is perfect and whole and sustaining and life-giving. We may think otherwise. We may have convinced ourselves or allowed other people to convince us that we are subject to disgrace. There are parts of us that we may feel are not worthy. We don't want to bring those parts of us to church, to share them with others, to show up with them. They could be parts of our past or identity or circumstance or situation. Our heartache or sorrow, our failings, broken relationships, dashed hopes, fears and anxieties of the future or of today. We may wonder about the limitations that our bodies present to us at any era of our life, old or young, healing or whole. And all those things can become a burden. They can cast a dark and heavy shadow, dark enough to convince us of disgrace. But that darkness, those parts of us, are exactly where Christ enters. God enters our pain. Our pain and disgrace and woundedness, our vulnerability is exactly the place where God enters our life and transforms that disgrace into rejoicing and reveals to us that we are holy and of God. That is the magic of Christmas. The Apostle Paul summarizes the incarnation in his letter to Titus succinctly. The grace of God has appeared, offering salvation to all. Am I saying that Christ comes into the world to erase our pain? No. Christ enters the world through pregnancy. These two very real pregnancies happened, but are also a perfect metaphor. Pregnancy is a marvelous and miraculous, but also a painful and messy and exhausting and joyful, tear-filled, demanding process. Now, the Christmas pageant is tonight. And at this part of the story, we turn off the lights on Mary and Joseph will redirect your attention over to the shepherds in the field. And then when the lights come back on on Mary and Joseph, you'll see the baby Jesus. That's how theater works. (laughs) That's not how God works. God enters into the painful process with us. And if any of you have been through a pregnancy or walked with someone through a pregnancy, you may remember the, the advice and instruction that when the pain comes, you have to push with the pain. Don't fight the pain. Don't resist the pain. Push with the pain, through the pain. That's how God enters the world in this incarnation. 
That's the metaphor of how God transforms our life, that God pushes with our pain. God uses this metaphor of the pregnant woman to describe God's self. Right in Isaiah chapter 42, where we have heard snippets from that chapter throughout the Advent season, the voice crying out in the wilderness, God doing a new thing, God leveling mountains, God lifting up valleys, making the way straight. God's metaphor that God describes God's self is that like this, now I will cry out like a woman in labor, I will gasp and pant. Other translations use the words bellow and moan. Theologian Laura Winner writes, Isaiah gives us this groaning woman as a picture of the sovereign God, the God who is in control of redemption. God chooses to participate in the work of a new creation with bellowing and panting. God chooses a participation that does not fight the pain, but works from inside the pain. God works in the very depths of desperation and darkness, depression, shame, exhaustion, and disgrace. God enters into those places with a fierce strength and vulnerability, and that's where the revelation begins. What we thought was disgrace is the very point of grace. That's what Elizabeth experienced today when John leapt in her womb. At the very part of her which she felt disgrace, she now feels physically rejoicing. John's leaping in the womb is a sign of God's grace. God's grace affirming to Elizabeth that her and Mary are both beloved and worthy children of God, and they are not to succumb to the disgrace that so many will try to project onto them. Now, I know we haven't even gotten to the Magnificat yet, and maybe I focus too much on Elizabeth because I'm a bit biased. After all, we did name our daughter after Elizabeth based on this reading. I feel that the Magnificat really is the epilogue to Elizabeth's proclamation. Mary takes that truth that Elizabeth named for her and she expands it. The truth about God transforming disgrace into grace, Mary takes it and makes it universal and offers it to all of us. She says the sick, the lowly, the poor, and hungry, God's grace exists for and enters into and transforms all of those places. It is a beautiful and dramatic proclamation. But Mary doesn't make this proclamation immediately after hearing the good news when Gabriel comes to her. Mary pondered the good news that Gabriel brought. She doesn't verbalize it until after she has this encounter with Elizabeth. It's Elizabeth who empowers Mary to proclaim the Magnificat. It's Elizabeth who receives and affirms Mary and therefore liberates her so that she can understand all of the meaning of these twin miraculous pregnancies. And that's what Elizabeth does for each of us today. She gives us a response and models a response to God's grace. Maybe you need to hear Elizabeth's message for you. Blessed are you. Blessed is what you bring into this world. 
Blessed are you to be faithful to God's calling in your life. Where you or others may have called disgrace is actually a blessing. Hear this this Christmas. Elizabeth also models for us receiving and affirming and liberating. Each of us are blessed to be able to see others as full of grace. And God has given each of us the power to name explicitly for others how they are blessed and therefore free them from any burden of disgrace they may feel so that they may know God's grace. When we proclaim the coming of the Lord, we receive and offer God's grace in our lives. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.